The Lead Story is proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact. Welcome back to the Business Report here on Nova 103.5. We turn our attention now to energy as we have done for the last two years as we continue to grow in excitement as to what energy can hold for Namibia over the next five to 10 years. Uh, There's a lot of work to be done before we get there though and uh, there's a lot of talking and deals and uh, discussion and politics that have to happen for uh, for us to arrive there. And these typically happen in many different ways, but one of them is through conferences and seminars where leaders get together and discuss things. They talk about things. They issue policy points and they talk about what they think everyone else wants to hear. And then they get some idea on whether that is in fact what the audiences are looking for. We are going to talk now to NJ Ayuk. Um, the CEO of Africa Energy Week, which was held 16 to 20 of October in Cape Town. NJ, welcome to the Business Report. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. So uh, we want to talk about Africa Energy Week uh, just passed. It was held in Cape Town. What was the purpose of the week? And uh, was would you classify it as a success? It was a massive success when you look at the big ticket amounts of uh, deals that were signed for investment in Africa. We brought the entire energy industry, oil, gas, coal, renewables, green hydrogen, right into one spot and push an agenda to drive up investments in the continent with about 4,800 people. We consider as a massive success in being able to get Africa's message out but also also being able to bring in investments into the continent. Are you aware of uh, any significant deals that were made? Are there have there been any sort of tangible successes coming from the week? Yes, we had uh, we had uh, um, deals that were being done in uh, in we saw deals that were being done for Nigeria, for example. You saw LNG gas deals that were coming out of Nigeria for Nigerian gas fields. We saw um, a final investment decision being taken on Congo LNG. It's going to be a $10 billion LNG project. We saw announcements of a $20 billion resumption of natural gas development in Mozambique. We saw a big deal signed for almost um, $1.5 billion for green hydrogen investment in nowhere else but the Gambia. But we also saw a lot of Namibian um, exploration and companies dedicating massive uh, amounts in billions of dollars in oil exploration in Namibia. And then we also saw MOUs being signed with uh, Namco and the Green Hydrogen Office in Namibia, which will drive up for that green hydrogen production and will through the hyphen project. I am very pleased with some of these deals because it says Africa's time is now. Now, you've spoken about a, a broad swathe of, of uh, energy sectors there, and uh, you've just mentioned the, the green hydrogen environment. There's a lot of criticism from economists that green hydrogen still remains very speculative um, and is still a very, very early stage sector. What came out of this energy week around green hydrogen? I think um, it's, 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 it's not right to be dismissive of green hydrogen. I think... Um, Countries like Namibia or South Africa that have championed this um, energy source in Africa at this point should be commended. They should be welcomed. 
there is going to be a big potential. We should not be coming in last. Green hydrogen is going to play a big role. In Cape Town, what we saw was huge investors at the U.S., the U.S. Exim Bank, European um, Investment Bank, all of them pledging to continue to invest in sustainable energy development, and which might not be coal, might not be oil or gas, but we should also should have something to put on the table and green hydrogen, which you're going to use a combination of solar and wind and the electrolyzers with, ab with abundant water and land and sun could be something which we, 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 we should embrace. We should not turn away those dollars because when we do, somebody else would take those dollars into different regions and countries like Namibia, South Africa or Mauritania or the Gambia would be losing. So I don't agree with that criticism. I think we need to embrace the, um, the Green Revolution and just have to make sure that the financing comes in into Africa. I'm talking to NJ Ayuk, the executive chairman of the African Energy Chamber. Uh, NJ, uh, what I'm interested in is uh, a lot of, especially oil, but also coal, uh, over the last 150 years or so, uh, a lot of where investment has gone has been dictated by geopolitical factors. Uh, we're saying Africa's time is now. How much of this is related to the current conflict in Ukraine and and increasing level of conflict and potential for expanded conflict in the Middle East? You know, Gary, you never find oil in Hollywood. If you find oil in Hollywood, we all would be there. The problem, the problem you have with, with, with oil is that the Lord walks in mysterious ways. He kind of put it in difficult, tough places. You know, you, uh, whether it's Nigeria, whether it's Angola, whether it's the Congo, or whether it's in Saudi Arabia or in Ukraine, that is, that is, that is, that, that is it. And, it's this, and in this tough environment, their geopolitical issues are always going to affect the market and it's going to affect consumers um, seriously. But now we have something that looks like Hollywood. It's called land of the braves, Namibia. So we're hoping that our discoveries in Namibia could actually mean something. It could reverse the resource cost. It could be Africa's last hope to really show that oil can be found in a country and it can be developed and it can be used to improve the lives of the people from Tura to Swakomor, everybody can benefit. But also, we can also bring other sources like green hydrogen or other renewables to make sure they coexist alongside each other to have that global energy mix. But it, it, it's the world we live in. If I could find oil in Hollywood, I would be a better actor doing that. <laughs> All right, NJ. So, I mean, you've now raised uh, Namibia's emerging prominence in this space for a number of reasons, as you've highlighted. Uh, what, what seems to have been the history of, of oil, certainly in an African context, is it's followed almost immediately by uh, corruption, uh, civil unrest, um, and instability. Um, it's often called the curse of oil. This would, I'm sure, have been addressed at some point during the week with Namibia entering the stage. You've said it's perhaps Africa's last hope. We saw President Hagi Gangob uh, uh, opening, uh, opening the session and delivering a keynote speech, uh, unusual for a country that is yet to export energy anywhere. Um, he was also honored um, at the event. Just tell us a little bit about that, please. I think what, what was important is that Namibians were there to listen. They were there to see a lot of mistakes of what others, others, others have seen. 
When I was a little kid, my mama used to whoop my senior brother. She whooped him so bad with his stick. But you know what? That was to teach me and my little brother what not to do. I think Namibia has can look around Africa and know what not to do. Look at Angola, look at Nigeria, look at Equatorial Guinea, and many other African countries. And, and, I, and I'm not being critical of these countries, but you can see, learn from their mistakes and know what not to do. But the beauty about Namibia is that there is already a fairly, for an African country, a fairly and all very good governance system. That good governance, the cuts work, you are, and, and there is ways you can question authorities and question judges and question everybody to really bring them to bear. So that helps. But I think there is also a big uh, euphoria about the country right now because people see it and saying, when everybody wrote off, this is the underdog. This is the kid that everybody wrote off Namibia, counted off Namibia, but Namibians believed in Namibia. And, this, and the companies came in and these discoveries happened. Now the big challenge is where do we go from here and how do you manage that? Are you going to replicate the bad stories of the resource curse or are you going to be a shining city on the hill? And everybody of good conscience prays that Namibia is that shining city of the hill that we want to see when it comes to energy development. And now, how do we see that expand outwards in a greater African significance? Uh, Africa has a, a wonderful history of delivering resources to the rest of the world and perhaps suffering that resource curse. Even if Namibia gets it right, it, it only really benefits the continent if other countries learn from those processes. Are we confident that can happen? I am. I, I, you know, I had, I had a good chance to spend three days with President Hagi Gainkop and some of the leadership from the country, they have a full focus on what they want to do. And I tend to trust them that if they implement some of the things they want to do, it will be helpful. I'll tell you what, what you would see. You would see kudu gas that was discovered before I was born. And, and it being used, you could do pipeline some of that gas right into Namibia and deal with Namibia's energy poverty issues and also deal with industrialization in Namibia. That gas can also go through the corridors into, into Zambia. So Namibia's gas is going to be very clean, low carbon gas. That gas will be used to power the mines that will be used for this energy transition. So Namibia will be powering the, the world's energy transition. But don't forget, this country where I, I call my second home right now, South Africa, is seeing eight to 10 hours a day of load shedding. Namibia is receiving 200 megawatts of electricity from South Africa, Namibia could in return be able to supply South Africa their electricity, looking at where you sit around Richards Bay with massive gas, be able to power South Africa and across around the Southern Africa power pool. This tiny little country of 2.5 million people is going to shock the world if it gets it right with gas production We'll look at the original power pool, that we will be doing is best. Of course, some of the gas and oil will go through internationally um, into international markets, but we need to think big, build refineries so you don't have to import crude oil um, abroad and then, and, then, and, then, and then use it. So if you build refineries, you can sell locally. The last story you, you know about Nigeria, where Nigeria exported 2 million barrels of oil to the Netherlands, 
and then refined it and brought it back to Nigeria and sold. That has stopped right now the Dankote refineries. Namibia should learn from Nigeria's mistake. All right, just lastly, NJ, we're out of time, but uh, let's talk about next year. This uh, Africa is not going to go away. The energy in Africa is not going to go away, and certainly the opportunities. Uh, what, are, what are your plans? Are we going to perhaps see Africa Energy Week in Vintuk? <laughs> Gary, Africa, I love Namibia. I think it's a great place. I think a lot of good things could happen. If you give me the hotels to accommodate 5,000 people in Vinhook, make my day, my friend. I do it. I love that city, land of the Braves. We could do something really beautiful. But next year, there is going to be big things happening. We need to keep our eye on the sector. It only works when citizens question authority and hold them accountable. So, but I'll be at the Namibian International Energy Summit. I will be there in April next year. So there will be mini energy week and we come in to do Kapana as well. All right, excellent, NJ. We'll catch up then. Thank you very much. Um, that's NJ Ayuk, is the Executive uh, Chairman of the African Energy Chamber, talking to us about uh, Africa Energy Week recently passed in Cape Town and Namibia's rising prominence in this space. The lead story was proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact.